Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 28. This week I chat with Kara Santana. Now, I'm not going to lie, I am a total fangirl of Kara's. She's an actress, blogger, major influencer, businesswoman, and she's in recovery. I mean, can you blame me? Kara shares her recovery journey, her advice on sobriety, and even dishes about dating sober. Kara is a celebrity who is using her powers for good, and I love it. So let's get into it. I am so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, So I want to just jump right into it. Uh, You're an actress, influencer, fashion blogger, and you're also in recovery. I am. Those are all (laughs) of the (laughs) points of my life. Yes. (laughs) True. (laughs) So let's just get into it. I want to know your story. I want to know where you grew up how it started, what led you to recovery. Um, Can you give us the backstory? Yeah. So I grew up in El Paso, Texas. My parents have still been married for almost 40 years. I had a truly, yeah, I had a truly traditional upbringing, um, never really wanted for anything, but certainly not spoiled by any means, just the perfect Mm -hmm. sort of nuclear family and it was a lovely upbringing. I moved to um, Los Angeles when I was 15 years old to pursue the arts. Um, I'm an actress, obviously, Wait, as you notated. 15? Yeah. I did. 15 I did. years old? I did. I <gasps> went to boarding school for the performing arts. So it was a pretty... Wow. Con- yeah, it was a pretty contained environment. I mean, it was like all of our academics as well as our arts focus at this school. It was an amazing experience. And I graduated right. early and moved down to Los Angeles to s- pursue my dreams. 
Wow. At 15 years old, like that is, you're a baby. I know, but I always knew what I wanted to do. I think I look back in <laughs> retrospect it. and I can't believe my parents <laughs> let me go, you know, leave home that early in life and pursue yeah. this opportunity. But I'm so grateful that they allowed me to do so. Yeah. How did you like convince them? Were they like on board or did you like have to? I did a full you know, PowerPoint a presentation. Yep. To get them to let me uh, leave home and, and pursue uh, boarding school. But ultimately, they understood that that was my dream and allowed me to do yeah. it. So I was very grateful for them for letting me, you know, take that, that leap. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of trust in a, in a little baby girl. <laughs> it is a lot of trust. And I think yeah. that is when I first really... Um, gravitated to the escapism and the freedom that mm. drugs and alcohol allowed me to have as early as I yeah. can remember as a little girl, I felt uh, insecure, not a part of um, different than my peers, which when you okay. talk to a lot of alcoholics, you hear that that is a common theme throughout their childhood yeah. and their youth. And I certainly identify with that. And when I mm -hmm. first had drugs and alcohol, that's when I first felt free, free from those thoughts, free from the opinions of others and free from my mind. And of course, at first it started out as fun yes. and then it became fun with problems and then it was just problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So 15 years old, going to school, living in LA, what how did it progress? Like what, how did you know it was a problem? Cause I mean, technically, you know, being teenagers, you know, teenagers are going to do what teenagers do, but when does it get cross that line? Right. So I think that's a question that people who, you know, are young and in sobriety often grapple with. For me, yeah. I know it was a problem because I overdosed and my relationship with okay. drugs and alcohol was obsessive and it wasn't um, done for, you know, fun, you know, or social right. experimentation. Yeah, yeah. It was really a form of right. escapism. And, you know, through my time in the program, I've come to understand and identify with you know, what I've heard and understanding that mm -hmm. the alcoholic mind is one that is obsessive and your spirituality is often devoid. And there's a physical, you know, dependency to drugs and alcohol if you are an addict. And so I mm -hmm. identify with those. And when I overdosed, that's, you know, when I realized, okay, this is, this is a problem. This is not a normal relationship. You start to lose your relationships. You start to lose your focus. You start to lose a contact with a higher power, whether that's God or whatever religious belief that you have, mm -hmm. if any at all. But that sense of there's something greater than myself. You start to act solely on self-will. You start to become sort of the own leader of this, you know, world that you're in without any, um, punishment. You act with impunity for lack of a better word. And I identify yes. with all of that. And that is how I came to understand that my relationship with drugs and alcohol was not a typical teenage experimentation. It was really a much larger problem that I could not control. I was powerless. 
Okay. And at what age did you realize this? When I overdosed at 18, that's when it became clear to me. Right. 18. I mean, that's still so young. I mean, you're, you sound like an old soul. Like you sound like you're very wise beyond your years. I mean, well, I'm 33 now. So, I mean, I've had some time (laughs) to grow and mature. I mean, it's still very young, you know, like I know people who are 50 or 60 years old and struggling with their sobriety and don't articulate or kind of do the self introspection as you just described what your addiction looked like. Well, so it's really interesting. I'm a believer in the program. I'm a believer Mm. in a, you know, a community of people struggling with the same disease. I, you know, am very, uh, committed and connected to that world. And I think through Mm -hmm. a lot of time, I mean, it's almost 15 years that I'll have been a sober member of recovery. I think I've really come to peace and understanding with, you know, this disease that I have. And I kind of wear it with the badge of honor. I'm proud of what I've come through and I'm proud of where I'm at now. And you know, I only mm-hmm. hope to be a resource and a support for other people who are struggling. And listen, you get it when you get it. You know, that's what we say in the program. It's yeah. not about your age. It's not about your socioeconomics. It's it's not about anything other than when you are willing to get sober and when you want to do the work is when your time is. So I, you yes. know, it, it, it just sort of is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with that more. I love that. I love how you put that. So true. So what did your recovery process look like? You you overdose at 18. What was the next step from there? So I think something that's really interesting about my story, and it's something that I do like to share because I think that there is some stigmatization or um, ideology surrounding you know, addiction that I think inhibits people from being willing and able to seek help and seek recovery. And so for me, Mm. I grew up, you know, in a very nuclear traditional family. We were upper middle class and I don't think it was ever spoken about. Like, I don't think drugs and alcohol were ever spoken about. Recovery was never spoken about. Neither of my parents are addicts. So it was not something that I was aware of. I didn't know what AA was. I just knew if I did drugs again, I wouldn't be able to control it. And if I couldn't control it, I might wind up dead because I just overdosed. So that was sort of as limited as my mind was at the time. And so for Mm -hmm. five years, I did what's called white knuckling it, which is where Mm. I didn't drink. Yep. I didn't drink and I didn't use, but I didn't have recovery. I didn't have rehab. I didn't have therapy. I just just couldn't. And I met someone who was in recovery five years into mine. And this person invited me to a meeting. And it was at that meeting that I recognized there was a place for people like me who were dealing with the same issues because, you know, you remove the drugs and alcohol and you still have the mind, you still have the alcoholic mind. Exactly. Yes. And so I was probably more of a terror you know, dry as they call it <laughs> than I was yeah. when I was using. Cause at least when I was using, I had medicine, I had medication. And now that I'm, you know, dry, no alcohol, no drugs, I've taken away my medication. And now I'm just sort of acting, you know, from that place of insecurity without any, you know, sense of, um, 
suppression. So once Mm. I understood that there was a program, there was a place that existed for people to come and to talk and there were steps that I could work and there were tools that I could use and there were, you know, people that I could talk to. That's when recovery really, really began for me. And that is when I sort of began to live a life beyond my wildest dreams through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. Oh, I love that. That's so great. I mean, yeah, it's so true. Like the dry, you're, I mean, you're abstinent, you're not doing drugs, you're not drinking, but it's, it's the whole mind piece. Like that is key. Right. I think that is, that's the hardest part. I mean, it has been for me because my mind is a little devil on its own mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. as we all are. Um, what about, what about AA and 12 steps? What is, what works for you? Like what really attracted to you and locked you into the program? The people, the people who are the working people. the program. Yeah. The people who are working the program, the people who are showing up to meetings, the people who are invested in their recovery. Those were the people that I saw were that most happy, joyous and free. That's a term that mm-hmm. we use in our, in our world. And I saw it working. Yeah. So instead of fight, fighting, you know, this idea or my misconceptions or my alcoholic mind that wants to separate me from everything and everyone. I'm different. Oh, I'm not like them. They're not going to understand me. My thing is not the same. All of those things that play in the mind. Mm -hmm. I just, just shut it off. And I watched the people who had one year and were holding down jobs and had relationships, people who had five years who were excelling in their careers, people who had 20 years that were married and had kids and were living this amazing life that I could only dream of people with 50 years. And I started to go, wow, there's something here. Everyone that's here and doing the work. Yeah. Life's still happening. Life on life's terms. There's still ups and they're down, but they're able to navigate this world in a way that I can't even imagine doing without drugs and alcohol. And so I really just surrendered and became willing. And and that's why I stayed. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash ASGG. Oh, I love that. Um, why do you think people like relapse or go back out after being in, you know, this community and AA or whatever kind of program they choose? What do you think is the biggest like roadblock or hurdle that people are dealing with in recovery? I think that you have to be willing and you have to be fearless and thorough in your moral inventory yeah. of yourself and of all of the tools that we utilize to repair our resentments and to learn how to be accountable and all of these things that are really challenging to navigate. And when we are sober, there's a saying that we say in Alcoholics Anonymous, which is your disease is still there. It's just doing push-ups. It's getting stronger. It's getting more ferocious. And if you lose sight of your recovery and your conscious contact with a higher power and your commitment to sobriety and working the tools and the steps in the program, ultimately mm -hmm. it will continue to increase your separation from recovery. And ultimately I think it's a powerful disease and that is why people relapse. I mean, I see it all the time. I see people mm -hmm. who have 25 years who stop going to meetings. They think they have it. They have a drink. Next thing you know, they're fully back into cycle of addiction that they can't get out of or their mind becomes too much. And they, I had a friend's father who was sober for, I think, 30 years, had a beautiful family, mm -hmm. had two kids, no, three kids and stopped going to meetings. And the alcoholic mind was so, you know, deep rooted. And the cycle of thinking was so terrible that he had no other option but killing himself to close his mind because he <gasps> couldn't bring people to, you know, oh. the point of recovery. So I think you see it often and it's sad, but it's, just, you know, it's a reminder that this is a ferocious disease. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Um, I know you mentioned you call it a disease and a lot of people think that as a choice, what do you think it is for yourself personally? Well, I mean, I didn't choose to become a drug addict. I wasn't like, right. I wasn't growing up and saying, Oh my God, you know what would be such a great career path? A drug addict. That's what I want to do. <laughs> um, so I think that's just, you know, general, you know, ignorance on the part of people yeah. who are not, you know, in a relationship with an addict or an alcoholic or don't suffer themselves. And I think that's a real problem. The stigmatization of yes. an alcoholic and it, it's painful and I hate to see it. And, um, I know that it's a real fact and I think it inhibits people from being honest and, and getting help. But the CDC in the United States in, I don't recall the year, um, declared that alcoholism was a disease. So it's, it's a fact. Yeah. It's not something I've made up. I mean, it's, it's a disease right. by professionals that, you know, know more about <laughs> medicine and illness than I, than I could ever. Yeah. And I think that's so true. I mean, that, that is a big part of where the this, this stigmatism comes. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, yeah, if I could control myself and like, do you not think I wouldn't? Like, 
I would love to not be hungover and like a horrible person and just make these horrible choices, but it it is a disease. And I feel like, uh, like society is kind of alienating addicts and making it just look like we are bad people or we're in trouble because we've chosen to do this. It's like, that's not the case at all, dude. Like, well, look at the United <laughs> States right now. We have the biggest opioid epidemic that any I country know. has ever experienced. I find it incredibly hard to believe that all of these people from all over the United States, different socioeconomic yeah. backgrounds, different ages, yeah. different races, different genders, all find themselves in a mass epidemic. That is not a choice. Right. Yeah. Like, what is that? How do you, right. how do you even wrap your head around something like that? It's, it's crazy. I mean, especially up in, I'm from Vancouver, Canada and the fentanyl issue, you know, if, if it Which was is an opioids. Yeah. Right. Um, if it was a choice, like my, my brothers have lost two of their friends, right. two of their, like super close, like yeah, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. It's just, it's frustrating actually is what it is. <laughs> well, it's, it's just sad that, you know, in the United States, we see people are identifying it, that there's a problem, but unfortunately mm -hmm. there's so much money to be made on these prescription narcotics that the government right. is essentially turning a blind eye. And then we stigmatize and punish people using when the whole purpose of the narcotic right. is to get people addicted and using. So it's this interesting and, and really treacherous cyclical pattern we find ourselves in. And unfortunately, you know, the loss of life and the destruction and chaos it causes is oftentimes unrepairable. So yes. I'm, you know, very hopeful that we can, you know, find a path forward that we can decriminalize drug users and offer them rehabilitation instead yes. and punish yes and punish and criminalize people selling mass quantities of narcotics instead because you can't get addicted if you don't have the resources to get the drugs and you know oftentimes right. what you see is people are over prescribing fentanyl uh, oxycotton oxycodone you name it any other mm -hmm. opioid and then it becomes too expensive for people to continue the prescription and then they start going to the street and they start looking for heroin and i mean it's this yeah this these are facts this is not my opinion it's what is going yeah. on in the world and i think what it causes is is this mass epidemic when you change your relationship with alcohol you realize you have so many hours in the day i love to dedicate my time to skincare and osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria LG Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. 
Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, let's turn it to a little bit of a lighter note. Sure. Um, besides going to, to meetings, how else do you practice your sobriety? Well, I mean, obviously the first part is abstinence. So I stay, you know, right. It is, I've been sober obviously for almost 15 years now. So I think with the evolution of yeah. how I practice sobriety now is, is, you know, maybe evolved since the time when I was going to, you know, we say 90 and 90, 90 meetings in 90 days, then you take a right. commitment at a meeting. So you start feeling ownership about your sobriety and then you get a sponsor and you start working the steps. And then once you graduate from the steps, you become a sponsor yourself and you have sponsees and you go to meetings. So some of that has changed and some of that is still mm-hmm. the same. I mean, I go to meetings weekly. I have sponsees. I have a sponsor. I pray. I, you know, do my meditation. I do my resentment mm-hmm. list. So all of those things, you know, are, are common. But I think the best thing about the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is we say it's a bridge back to life. So I have a very full life. I go out in the evenings. I can be at nightclubs. I can go to parties where there is alcohol and I can feel good about not needing to use or drink and feel comfortable. I couldn't do that yes. in the beginning. So there's like an evolution, but the, 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 um, the major touch points have always remained the same. Go to meetings, be yeah. a person of dignity and grace, give back to your community, be of service. All of those things are still the same. Yeah. I think giving back to your community and being of service are huge. Like I agree. those are just huge. And like, it's, it's so, it makes you feel so good and you're helping people. What else, what else do you need in the world? Right. That's great. Um, so I wanted to ask you, cause you did get sober so young. What was dating like? <laughs> it's, that's <laughs> such a good question. You know, it's so funny. The first you know, person. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's the, hard. <laughs> totally. So the first person I dated was someone in the program and they had okay. a little bit more time than I did. And, you know, we had that sort of in common and then we, we broke up and I started dating my now fiance and my okay. fiance at the time was a using addict, obviously unbeknownst to me at the time, but okay. um, he was using and ultimately it became a major issue in the relationship. He's now seven years sober. We've been together 12 years. Wow. So, so we have that in common now, but I think, Listen, I think that a sober person can date a normie. Mm-hmm. I see it happen all the time. Lots of friends I right. have are in relationships with either alcoholics or alcoholics in recovery who are in relationships with normies. As long mm-hmm. as you both have an understanding for what the other person goes through, I think that that's mm-hmm. totally easy. But I can imagine that once you take away, as a newly sober person, you take away the drinking and the the barrier that allows you to feel a little bit more comfortable with a new person. Yeah. It can, it can be challenging, <laughs> but I think it's so rewarding because you're lo- meeting and learning someone 
you know, in the most honest and real state of being, which is a sober yes. one. So I think as, as mm, maybe precarious or as daunting as it feels, ultimately, I think it's only more fruitful. Totally. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But that's really, that's really interesting. I had no idea. I mean, that's really cool that you guys have this in common now. Like, yeah, what a great, great. bond. What a it great is. bond to share. Yeah. Um, who is one of your role models and why? Um, in recovery or just in general? In general. I think my mom. My mom and, and my dad, as cliche as it sounds, I mean, what I love about both of them is that they are so open-minded and pure of heart. Yeah. One of my biggest fears was going to be coming clean to them about my situation, about being yeah. an addict because they aren't. And I didn't think they would understand. And I thought that they would be ashamed and I thought that they would yeah. judge me. I mean, my father is um, incredibly religious. He's a Catholic Italian Texan, very conservative. Okay. And my mom, yeah. yeah. And my mom is a, <laughs> a Jewish Texan conservative. And when I told yeah. them, they were so thrilled that I felt like I could trust them enough to come with, come to them and tell them my story. They offered wow. to help me in any way that they could. They started to get information and research what it was to have this disease and how they could support me. And for that, I have the most um, respect and admiration for because I think it's normal to judge mm -hmm. what we don't know or to be frightened by what we don't know. And they both put aside their feelings for me and, and, and for so many other reasons. I mean, I just, I'm in awe of both of them. I have much admiration for them both. That is so sweet. I love that. Hey. So great. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Parents will surprise you. <laughs> yeah, they will. I think people thing. surprise you if you give them the opportunity. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so tell us about your like career. Um, I know you're also like an influencer on Instagram and I love how you talk about like things that you're passionate about, like being a, a advocate for recovery and also talking about like political issues. Um, I think that's really awesome. And you're, I love how you're using your platform. I, I kind of like compare you to like a Demi Lovato. And I really love Aww. that you're using your powers for good. It's I really love cool. Demi. I love Demi yeah. so much. Um, she's yeah, someone yeah. who's been in my life for a really long time. And I love her and I'm proud of her. And she's fantastic. Um, I think, you know, for me as an actress, as an influencer, as someone who has a social platform, the only mm -hmm. way to stay integrous and genuine to myself and to my audience is to talk about the things that are important to me. And sobriety is one yeah. of those things. Social issues is another one. Politics is something else that I care about and I'm passionate about. So I just share what's honest and true to me. Um, my fiance and I are working on a film that I wrote that he's going to direct and it's called steps. And it's about six people's oh. journey through recovery through three decades, whose lives all intertwine. And it was a passion project. That's of amazing. Mine. Thanks. It's a passion project of mine that I um, wrote about five or six years ago. And for me, it's just, you know, being able to tell stories or have conversations about things that matter to me. And I don't, by the way, don't, yeah. I don't begrudge or judge anyone who decides not to talk about things that are, you know, maybe 
heavy or controversial, taboo or whatnot. I think everyone, right. you know, speaks from the heart. So I don't judge anyone, but it's just, that's what imp- what's important to me. So I just have to like be true to myself. No. And that's like the best part. I mean, I, I love that you do that because it allows, you know, especially young girls, um, you know, in, in, in our thirties, I'm in my thirties as well. And it's nice to have someone like you to relate to, you know, oh, like okay. we, we, sh- we share these, co- these common issues. And, you know, you look at you're like, oh, my God, like, I love her pictures and her outfits and stuff. And then you kind of, you know, you read and you you hear your backstory and you're like, oh, wait, like, she's going through the exact same thing as I am. She's in recovery, too. It's so powerful. And I, I love that you are so open about it. It's really refreshing. Oh, well, thank you for saying so. Yeah. Um, also, I really want to know about Glam Squad. Yeah. Can you tell us so- a little bit about that? So sure. So I, you know, founded an on-demand beauty app about four years ago and Glam Squad was our largest competitor. I exited the company that I founded and ran as the CEO last year and Glam Squad made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And I have come over to them as the global engagement officer. And I'm so excited to continue my love of the on-demand beauty space and empowering women to look and feel their best. And so, yeah, I'm so happy to be there. That's so great. I mean, what is better than having a, a team come to your house and make you feel and look fantastic? I mean, that is like the dream. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, okay. One more question sure. to anyone listening to our conversation right now who is either sober or having, you know, struggling in their sobriety or thinking about getting sober. What advice would you give to anyone listening right now? I'd say go to a meeting. Find people okay. who have the same, you know, issues that you're battling. Find people who have what you want. Find people who are, you know, have a life that they couldn't have ever imagined and do what is suggested of you by them. Awesome. I love that. I like to call those people expanders. Oh, I like It's that. like taking, yeah, it's like. I don't know. I I did this manifesting course and one of the terms was expanders and it's, you know, mirroring someone who you admire or look up to or whose career you want to have or life, you know, is appealing to you and you're expanding your mind and brain and allowing those things to become a reality. So, yeah, you know, finding those people at a meeting or however you find them. I think that's, that's great. And sharing our stories. That's, that's how we keep, that's how we keep the dream alive. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, my fangirl moment dream come true. How great is Kara? I mean, she's so elegant and graceful the way she describes her sobriety and recovery. She's lovely. Make sure to check out Kara on Instagram at C-A-R-A, and then there's another A, Santana, S-A-N-T-A-N-A. As always, thank you guys so much for your love and support. Couldn't do this without you. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girl's Guide. And don't forget to check out the blog. It is fire. SoberGirlsGuide.com has 
all your resources for sobriety, recovery, any tips and tricks you need, you will find it on the blog. Thank you guys so much for listening to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast. Have a great day.